Bonnie Janowski is one of those multi-skilled musicians that seems to be able to turn her hand to absolutely anything. Originally coming from a performance background, she's then worked as an orchestrator, arranger, transcriber, and composer. We're going to talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages of working with notation and composing for real musicians rather than sample libraries. Welcome to the Soundtrack.Academy podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Amandri, and each week I interview a member of the film, TV, game, or media music industry. My aim is to help as many people as possible to learn the ins and outs of composing and producing for moving image. For links, show notes, and previous guests, head over to soundtrack.academy slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe wherever you're listening from and also leave me a review. Bonnie Janowski hasn't taken the approach of many film music composers in that she's focused more on scoring for real musicians rather than with sample libraries. If you listen to samples of her work, you'll hear that it's full of really interesting instrument combinations. One thing that's particularly great to listen for in Bonnie's work is how well the music is arranged for a small number of players. I think a lot of people really overlook how hard it is to get a small group of instruments to create such an effective sound. So let's hear how Bonnie actually goes about creating these wonderful scores. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's a pleasure. Wow. I've enjoyed uh, hearing other episodes and wow, this is great. That's great. Thank you. So can we begin with, um, in your words, who you are and what it is that you do? Well, I started uh, as a pianist and then took up percussion and then to drums and then went later on went to orchestration arranging, actually copying, transcribing, orchestration arranging, then finally decided to try my uh, abilities at film scoring. And so I score for films. I've done a number of independent films. I My first writing was for big band jazz. I love writing jazz as well. And uh, in the last number of years, I've done a lot of musical theater, quite a bit. Uh, I will usually write the music. I'll collaborate with folks that do the book and usually the lyrics and um, do a variety of types of projects. Um, one of my favorite filmmakers is someone that I met when I went back to school and did the USC film scoring program, uh, Mark Marcello, and done quite a bit of uh, projects with him. And I love how we collaborate. It's a true collaboration. Um, I've done a number of different things. I do know that sometimes it's recommended to specialize just in one area, but that's hard. I, I love the variety <laughs> of many areas of uh, composition and, and music. Yeah, I mean, listening to you, I, I did listen to your repertoire uh, earlier on, on today as well, and it is a you can tell that you're from such a wide background. I mean, the jazz writing you've done is is incredible jazz writing, big band writing, and then also the orchestral um, sort of big Hollywood sound is also so classic in that sound as well. It's it's a real skill to be able to do both so authentically. Thank you so very much. And I, because I find, I know a lot of, especially a lot of composers nowadays, they are used to writing for samples. I'm used to writing for live players. And I know that for me, when I do a film score or, or any project, I would rather use live players. I have the patience to spend 
hours, days, you know, composing and trying different things, but taking the time to tweak instrumental tracks to sound live when I know the best players, uh, that is difficult for me to do. I don't know if I say difficult, but that's not really enjoyable. You know, you can tweak and tweak and tweak, but I know how the musicians, the live musicians, add so much to the score. The last few scores I've done, I've used seven or eight live players, no synths, and that's what I would much rather use a smaller live, all live ensemble than a uh, any uh, synths or um, uh, samples. Uh, that's my preference. Of course, I come from the it, background. When it comes to working with directors in, in that way as well, do, do, you, do they just trust you or do you have to send them mock-ups first? Do you have somebody doing that for you or do you do that yourself? Uh, well, mostly when I'm working with filmmakers, they will come here and I'll most of the time just play back finale tracks. I know most people want to have really good sounding <laughs> mock-ups, but at least especially the filmmakers who have worked with me in the past, they know and they'll come and uh, uh, they will hear and know what it'll sound like live. Uh, I'm lucky in that respect, but because um, I've tended not to do other than finale mock-ups, which I know exactly what it's going to sound like. And sometimes <laughs> I need to remember, not everyone will realize that, but if they like it, you know, just finale sounds, they're going to love it uh, live. Yeah, it must be really magical for the directors to actually then hear it on the soundstage. The way I, the, uh, I mentioned Mark Marcello again, because... He'll come over here, and he's not a musician, but what a musical sense. And he has a, he's an amazing tap dancer and choreographer. So all of his films always feature a lot of dance. But it's really fun because, oh, we do some of our work, you know, send him some different things. But it's, I love it if there's the time for uh, the give and take live of working with the director, with the filmmaker, because that is, then it's really a true collaboration. Um, in situations like that, there, you know, he'll mention something and say, well, I want, you know, this character, uh, you know, a little bit different angle or something. And it just, oh, we just, I find that the most uh, fun, the most um, beneficial way to work, if possible. Of course, every uh, project is different. And then, of course, also depends if you're working with a filmmaker who's local um, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Those uh, dancing scenes you mentioned then, for those type of films, I'm guessing you're brought on really early on, on in, the, in the process so they can actually have music on set while they're dancing to, or do they dance that, to a click track? Yes, that's be, um, most of the time that's true. I know that in, a, um, in one or two cases... Mark would just count to five, six, seven, eight. But actually, ideally, in those cases, the music would be pre-recorded. The music would be recorded before the entire uh, score is uh, completed. That's the ideal way to work, yes, to, for them to hear the actual music rather than just click track would be as ideal. Sure. So have you, have you actually been in a situation where you've had to create music for a dance that's already been recorded then? Yes, and that's very difficult. Wow. Uh, I mean, there are different ways to do that, but uh, of course, especially nowadays with like the software and I'll be using Finale uh, and a performer, yeah, to just get that matched up is, 
it's easier to, to do that in advance all the way around. It's much better to record dance sequences in advance of yeah. music for it. So what are some techniques you've used to actually make sure that those musical cues are in time? Well, in, uh, for me, for me, uh, I am so used to working with Finale. I've worked since version one, I think very notationally. And since 2007, Finale can sync to video. So I do most of my composing in Finale. A uh, performer I know can actually... Uh, the tweaking of the timing is better in finale you can go to hundreds of a second but in you can go to thousands of a second in performer and i know there are some ways you can say match sequence tempo or match uh there's some various techniques that you can use but it's the first time i remember trying to do that and trying to manually like match it up that's that's not a good way to do it. It's very difficult to do that. <laughs> Almost impossible. You mentioned when we when you first said that you came from um, a pianist and then percussion and then orchestration, arranging, transcribing. Were you doing transcribing professionally? Yes, I've done transcribing professionally. Um, I still sometimes do. My focus the last number of years is composition, but I'll still sometimes have people uh, ask me to transcribe or uh, I don't know, a little bit of copying uh, orchestration. I, I know way back in college, uh, I was told uh, that I had uh, a lot of uh, um, a knack for orchestration arranging, for sure. Always had a sense of the, the instruments. One of the things I love, by the way, in college is when taking the classes, a, a quarter on strings, I took two quarters on woodwinds and a quarter on brass. And to me, I love to know how things work. So I loved really understanding how instruments, all of the instruments work. And of course, that also helps for writing to not write across breaks of the instruments, particularly woodwinds when I'm talking about breaks and things like that, going across um, certain, like a trill or some technique might work great on one note and move it maybe a half step up or down and it's not practical, not very uh, easy to do. I think that's something that's so lost with, with sample libraries now is they obviously they do everything so perfectly, the sample libraries, as in perfectly in a way that a player wouldn't be able to do it. And that's something sure. that really yeah. gives them away. You hear like flute lines that last a minute with no breath. Oh <laughs> no yeah, the breath, breath and... is, <laughs> yeah, it's completely... <laughs> Completely unnatural, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I find with music, I was just thinking about, you know, at nine years old, I started on piano and then took up a little bit of percussion in junior or senior high school and then got into drum set in college. And I started to play in different ensembles. And I always have had an interest in science and thought that I was going to head towards being a doctor. But then, as I saw, one night I'd be, I'd be playing in a big band, one night in a Dixieland band, in a community orchestra, or uh, I, I went for music. I had a wonderful um, music uh, instructor, Art Danner, at West LA College, where I started out. And wow, first time I took a music theory class, it was like, wow, there's this whole new world out there that I, I didn't realize existed. And then uh, I went into music and I love the 
variety so much. Wow. It's great. I mean, particularly with it, with all the different things you were doing as well. Yes. Your, um, I read on your, in your bio on your website that your, your father was a saxophonist as well, played with people like Benny Goodman, which is amazing. Yep. Benny Goodman, he... Tony Pastor, Guy Lombardo, um, Benny Goodman, Dorsey Brothers. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Did he sort of push you to first get involved in music or was it something you just wanted to do because you, it was around you when you were growing up? Well, actually, he had traveled with the big bands. He played from about age nine or so till about 32. Then he got tired of the road and the music business was changing. And uh, he totally quit music. So I actually never heard him play. So I always say I must have picked it up in the genes genetically. <laughs> um, at nine years old, my uh, brother and I, my brother was six at the time and I was nine and he um, started us on piano lessons. They actually went and bought a piano. They went and were looking at a, a local music store, and they actually, um, there's one on sale, <laughs> and they bought it. So I always had a piano, and uh, my brother wasn't interested, but although I can tell my brother has a very good uh, musical ear, but he didn't follow that path. Hmm. And... Um, yeah, I started uh, taking piano lessons. I always find it kind of funny that about maybe a week before, uh, I remember being in a neighbor's house only one time, but seeing a piano and saying, wow, all those notes, there must be some pattern or something. And I was fascinated by that. And then, uh, yeah. In fact, my mom loved dance, and I did take dance lessons. That was not my thing. Until actually one ballet was just... <laughs> boring for me but then I remember taking a <laughs> tap dance class or, and uh, I remember way before playing drums on it but uh, tap dancing to When the Saints Go Marching In I was like oh that's fun <laughs> so uh, uh, yep um, then I went on yep stayed with the music all the way through and how much has your background in performance fed into your composing work I would say it has I mean uh I would say quite a bit because I know what's playable, what's not. I'll know little things like in music, if I'm recording, like I remember when I recorded, I've recorded some musical theater scores as well. And I thought, wow, you know, if I have uh, fermatas holds that, that would be difficult, uh, especially on some projects that I was involved with that I was orchestrating, copying, transcribing, uh, that... I saw how when they tried to merge, either they'd record different sections at different times or they would record the instruments and then the vocals, that that was always difficult to align. So, for instance, if I'm recording, well, it's a little bit different in film, but in musical theater or something you're not recording to click track, then I always try, I'll say, for instance, actually add, figure out how many beats I really want added in there rather than having a fermata. I want everything very, very, very clear. Nothing that can hang us up, you know, in a studio recording. Sure. And you being um, around all those plays, particularly in the drum, in the percussion section kind of thing, uh, area, you get to hear how all the parts interweave and work together and where your part fits in that as well. Oh, very much. I've played, uh, I mean, for jazz situation, I've played 
mostly drums, right when I would have learned to improvise on piano, I took up drums in the college jazz band. And um, uh, for musical theater, I've played sometimes drums. I've actually music directed and played piano for uh, musical theater productions. I tend to work a lot on original musical theater productions. Uh, early on, I did some with you know well-known repertoire, but now mostly I'll be asked to be involved with uh, original shows whether they're my own or, or other people's that I'll orchestrate or, and or music direct or play piano, various, so various, uh, in various ways, be involved. And are these shows um, music live in the pit or are they pre-recorded? Usually live. In fact, um, I guess, well, for all the ones that I've music directed, they've been live. And they won't be huge. I guess the largest, I, I mean, sometimes it's just me on piano. Uh, one show I did a few years ago, uh, House of Finnegan, we had, we originally were going to have eight, but then realized that that would be just too much. Uh, we had six. Um, yep. Let's see, piano, bass, drums, violin, cello, flute, and did not use guitar or trumpet. That would have been a bit overwhelming we realized uh, but it worked actually another interesting thing was that particular show we recorded all of the songs with a 15 piece ensemble and then i later reorchestrated them for the eight and then six so i had let's see two trumpets two trombones three woodwind uh piano guitar bass drums i think i remembered everyone um yeah <laughs> So and then you actually, so you, so you have a recorded version and then like cut downs for the live versions as well. Yes. So I did that. Mm -hmm. and did you say, are you using click tracks in the live versions or? No, not on, most of the time. Um, if I'm recording, usually not. I'm thinking back to early projects that I did when I was orchestrating or conducting on, on other people's projects. Um, hmm. Maybe actually sometimes they were used in uh, musical theater as well. That a particular project I'm thinking of, uh, or a, a group that I work with numerous times, they liked to record in sections. And I'm thinking back now, that's a while back, but they would do, I think it was strings and rhythm and then woodwinds and brass. No, I think it was in three. It was in, it was in sections. Not everyone was in the studio at the same time, usually. Occasionally, but mostly not. I love the sound and feel and energy of everyone in the studio at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Not always possible, though. So thinking about, uh, or talking about f in film music in particular, what was your first film music project? Well, the first film uh, projects, when it was interesting, I decided to go back to school about 20 years after I graduated college. And uh, I had heard a lot about the USC University of Southern California film program. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when I met the students, they were very young. They were in their 20s and usually all or mostly, usually all guys. <laughs> and just a couple of fluke things happened. I met two people who decided to do the uh, program, a woman and a man. And uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to take a chance and do that. And um, I was busy doing orchestration, copying, transcribing other things. 
And But I was glad I did. And our class was unusual. I don't know if it's ever been repeated. There were 19 of us, four were women, and our class ranged in age from 22 to 53. So um, that was unusual. Yeah, real and, mix. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we, and I keep in contact, uh, we keep in contact mostly. In fact, the, um, oldest and I became best friends and now we've been neighbors for 20 years. So, uh, we're like sisters. Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) Yep. And was the fact that you'd seen all the students you'd seen were all male. Did that put you off thinking you could have a go at this industry? sure if that did i guess i felt older (laughs) um i mean i was older um and uh i guess i was thinking more i I felt just a generation older than them i mean not exactly but i definitely um yeah because i was like in my 40s at the time wow hard to believe oh my gosh (laughs) um (laughs) And of course, then and and the film business has just changed. I mean, so much. Yeah. I mean, I've been using Finale since 1989, version one, <laughs> and that's my main uh, software. I just, I think, very notationally, I know a lot of people want to. Uh, it's play into a sequencer and all, but I know when I work, I tend to, I want to transcribe directly from my mind into finale. And I like seeing the notation exactly. Um, of course, that's not everyone maybe can do that, but I'm, you know, really good at uh, um, transcribing. And, and um, so I'll just transcribe right out of my mind and then look at uh, what I've got. Of course, I, I can hear it back, but uh, uh, I really think notationally, which nowadays, of course, so much with sequencers and just playing in and all, uh, I just kind of, I don't know, come from a, a different place. Most of the time, people would say, why would you want to get Finale, especially at that time? It was so <laughs> complex, but that was the only, basically, well, one of the very few that you could actually play in and see the notation and not have to go back and forth between like performer and um, uh, something personal composer or something like that. Uh, that was the only one. There were a couple others. There were there was notator on an Atari computer, but the, <laughs> the look didn't look as good. The only one that I could do everything I really needed to do, you know, copying, great looking uh, music, composing, seeing it, was finale at the time it was only on mac at, at the time about two years later a year or two later it came out for pc as well sure and what do you see as the main advantages of, of of going straight into notation well for me it's the way I, I i just i mean when i started piano and all i it i mean some people could play by ear and then they will uh later learn or may or may not learn to read music. For me, I learned to read music and it was the opposite. I had to let go and trust, learn, and, and just trust my my ears. Um, so I, I part of it is that. Of course, also it's good because since I'm usually using live players and my parts are, you know, when I'm working on the score and then I can just um, 
lay out the parts and they're right there. Um, For me, that's just, I don't know, my native way that feels comfortable to me. And have there been any times where you you think the reverse would have been true? It would have been more beneficial for you to be more technologically focused? Um, I mean, in a way, I mean, I'm good at figuring out programs and things like that. Oh, I noticed, in fact, I was thinking about another thing for me. If I'm tweaking uh, sampled uh, MIDI tracks, I there's so many choices. <laughs> and, uh, you know, edit reverb, all kinds of things. And, you know, I kind of think, what do I really like? I mean, in a way, you can try different ways. You can try, you know, tweak for days. <laughs> <laughs> but the notation, if it's written, I know exactly what it's going to sound like. So I guess for me, it's kind of, I don't know what to say, security blanket. I'm not sure if that's quite the right word, but uh, <laughs> I know what I'm, I'm going to get. To me, notation yeah. is very, very specific. And that's that. Um, and it's quicker for me to transcribe that out of my mind. I, I, I can occasionally I'll play in something and say, oh, I'll just kind of check that out later. But um, usually when working on a project, I'll transcribe uh, different uh, ideas. I also tend to put multiple staves. And so I'll I'll have a couple different uh, versions at the same time that I can look at and go back and forth, listen to them or play them. Um, I'm always glad that I play piano. I think that would be hard to be a composer and not play piano. I mean, there are many composers that aren't pianists and are amazing writers, but I'm glad that I do play piano. (laughs) That helps a lot. (laughs) Johnny here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'll keep this short so that we can get back to our guest as soon as possible, but there is one thing that you can do to really help me out with this podcast, and that is to tell a friend about it. There's so much to gain from the guests that I have on the show, and I'd love as many people as possible to be able to learn from their experiences. As you might have noticed, the show isn't sponsored in any way, so I really need your help to spread the word. So whatever you're doing right now, just pause the episode, think of someone you know that would enjoy the show, and send them the link. Thank you so much, and now let's get back to our guest. And uh, has there ever been a a situation where you've been caught off guard when you've notated something and you're pretty, you're certain of how it sounds and then you've got to recording and it's not what you expected. Um, I don't think so. Of course, nowadays you can hear it back and yeah. Yeah. And for me, I mean, if I hear it on finale and I mean, I know it's not live, but I, I guess maybe in my mind, I'm just automatically hearing it live. I mean, I know, you know, not, not really. Um, I mean, you had so much experience that. in orchestration and arranging beforehand that you, you're probably used to seeing the page come alive a bit more than someone, someone who hasn't. But I know a yes. common problem a lot, of, um, a lot of composers face, you know, when they're working with samples is they play a a three note chord on the piano on their string section, but that's three mm. lots of 18 violins. <laughs> when you, yep. when you take that out into, into a, a single group of 11 or, or 12 violins, it just disappears. Yes, definitely. And also another thing is like, of course the voicings and all, it's like sometimes mm-hmm. if you're playing something on a piano and you're playing like below middle C, I mean, it depends what instrument you're thinking about, but 
the chords there might sound muddy, but they might sound fantastic, like, say, trombones or something. Yeah. So it yeah. definitely makes a difference. But it also makes a difference knowing not only the ranges of instruments, but like the tessitura and knowing, like, for instance, the flute or piccolo, too. Say, for instance, the flute in a low range is, is, is pretty, is mellow, is... Um, it's easy to cover it up for it to be buried by other orchestration, but you know the flute in a high register will really uh, cut through. Of course, piccolo can cut through uh, about anything <laughs> the, the upper range, of course, or even moderate upper range. So there are different things that are um, for each instrument, knowing uh, some of it is, uh, well, I guess a lot of it is experience, but I don't know. For me, I was always around elementary school playing an orchestra and uh, junior, senior high. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, I probably was more used to hearing real instruments. But then as I began to compose, um, um, you know, chances to orchestrate and things. And as I mentioned in college, I was always told I had a... Uh, a real knack for orchestrating. I know I would hear, I remember one time in a class, I had like, it sounded such a full, deep sound. And with something, I think I took a piano piece and orchestrated it. And I thought, that's odd. It seemed like I was the only one that really put like bass where it should be. Everything else sounded kind of, so most of the other compositions by the students sounded so, they didn't have a bottom, a bass. And, and I guess uh, that was interesting. I noticed that. Uh, I guess somehow I used a fuller range or certainly um, I like hearing a good, strong uh, bottom end. That's kind of the whole basis. Um, uh, so I enjoy that as well. And also I'll just mention that one time years ago, they used to have these Stan Kenton um, workshops and they'd be different age students, I guess. I don't know, high school, junior high. Well, I guess I guess mostly maybe high school, college. I'm not sure exactly. But I remember I brought in an, an, uh, an arrangement of a tune. And I got a lot of uh, compliments on that, too. And always, you know, as it's easy to be in a composer. I would think, wow, is it really that good or something? You know, always looking for, you know. <laughs> it, it's sometimes hard to just sit back and say, oh my gosh, that really was good. That that was, yeah. um, like sometimes in thinking, um, I'll get a lot of ideas and then it's hard, which do I choose? Um, but it's really neat when you listen back to a project that's been completed and say, wow, that really does sound good. <laughs> um, but it's hard to, I don't want to say hard to do that, but of course, uh, listening to our own works, it's always... Um, you know, thinking what could be better or uh, just yeah. there's so many possibilities. I mean, a bazillion ways. I've been in either the USC class or I was in the BMI Earl Hagen workshop. In, the, in that wow. workshop, there were 20 of us and 20 different versions of the same piece of film were recorded. And I thought about 18 of them worked. And they were everything from very slow to fast. I mean, everything and in between. So everybody, it's it's just so interesting how the same piece of film and every composer will hear it differently. Just goes to show how important that storytelling is in film music, isn't it? Knowing which piece of music to put on the film, which is going to have the biggest impact. 
Very much so. And that's where it's nice to work with the filmmaker and say, well, which one, uh, which one, you know, speaks to you the most? Sometimes I'll, I'll write more than one uh, a version for a scene or scenes. Uh, depends. Um, depends on certain things, uh, how specific the filmmaker is. And um, yeah, it depends. That's a, sometimes. Well, that's a really nice transition into, into, our, into our next session, uh, section talking about um, your process, how you actually work on things. So thinking specifically about film music, what's the first thing you do when you start a new project and how early do you like to be brought on? Certainly the earlier the better. I mean, at times I've been brought on just reading a script. Other times I've seen the completed film or both the script and the film. Uh, I am very, very number oriented and I like to know where things are. The first thing I like to do, which is not, uh, you know, definitely necessary. I mean, at some point early on it is. I like to go through and make all my markings. I mark, uh, for that I go into performer and I write, I use the markers and I mark, you know, a different cuts or dialogue or anything that, uh, I'm, I'm way too detailed than I need to be. But then it's so uh, convenient because anytime I want to go to anywhere in the film, I can just go there. Uh, it's not like, Years ago, I mean, when I did the USC film scoring program, we had to, you know, videotape and all. But once, now that you can watch the film online on your computer and you can, you know, mark uh, anything, go to any part of the film, you can, of course, try different uh, things. Um, so first I'll do the uh, timing. And then definitely I'll watch. Uh, sometimes I'll do what's called the spotting session where you sit with the, com with the filmmaker and determine where music will be, where it will go in and out. Sometimes I'll do that. Well, I guess usually I will do that usually early on. And that's actually helpful early on. Uh, of course, things can change. I've had some projects where not much changes somewhere. Sometimes I want uh, as listening back maybe to the finale and say, oh, let's bring in the music uh, here or there. Or sometimes I will uh, ask, you know, it could come in here and then different effect or the director will say that, oh, this particular place would be better. Uh, I will, I love it when I can have a theme that goes, uh, can be brought back that, there are different versions of it. I know one of the short films I did early on went at USC, and I remember it was that was, a, uh, for instance, a good time to do that. And it was really neat to be able to take the same melodic material and use it in many different ways, a minor, slow version, or fast. Uh, and mm -hmm. on that and other films... Um, then a lot of the materials come from a main theme. So sometimes I will try to do that. Um, and do you try to write those themes like to picture or do you write those away just as standalone themes on their own? Uh, sometimes, depends. Sometimes as... Well, first, I'll probably come up with a main theme or sometimes within the film there are certain places that will lend to the theme or a theme for a character. So I may try to uh, come up with a 
some character themes. It's kind of various ways, uh, depending how the film is presented. If it's if there are numerous characters, uh, certainly I watch the film from beginning to end, and I watch it multiple times. It's interesting because sometimes. I'll be watching and there'll be some little thing in the film and then sometimes watch, watching again, you'll see that, oh no, that was really, you know, something else. You think something that was, um, sometimes there's a different ending for a particular scene or section of the film. Uh, and, and I know as I watch the film, I see so many details that you can miss the first time. It's interesting <laughs> because you think about, wow, when you see a film one time, um, but oh my gosh, I see it many, 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 many times. Um, it's nice now because you can see it. I remember when I did the Earl Hagen program, we got, we, we were given a list of the Q sheet, the Bible, and <laughs> it listed at what time each, um, each cut or dialogue came in and we watched the film once and that's it. I mean, it's so different now because you can watch it again and again and again. This That was yeah. not the way early filmmakers uh, did it. Early filmmakers like Buddy Baker, who ran the USC program, I also knew him from the American Society of Music Arrangers and Composers that I've been active with for many, many years. And um, he never went anywhere without a uh, stopwatch and a calculator. Th those were the old tools. <laughs> So it's yeah. like wow. Um, yeah, calculate how many sec how many seconds it is, what tempo you want, and how many beats that would that would equal. Yep. <laughs> and the click track book. There was the Newts the Newtson book, yes. which was like a hundred and fifty dollar <laughs> book, which I have yeah. here somewhere. And that's what you do. You could look it up. How many seconds at what tempo, what what uh, time you would be at? And, Amazing. Uh, Fortunately, I love math. My yeah. <laughs> liking working with numbers and math is, is helpful in being a film composer for sure. Yeah. And when you're, when you're um, creating your music, do you tend to sketch out ideas first and sketch kind of as much material as you can and then orchestrate it out? Or do you orchestrate as you go? That kind of depends. Uh, for me, I find that uh, sometimes I will orchestrate as I will go. Sometimes as I'm beginning to write, we haven't yet finalized the exact instrumentation until after the cues are written, especially if I'm writing a live score. Um, like, uh, I know the last two films I did, one I use, let's see, piano, guitar, bass, drums, and, um, no, actually I use piano, guitar, bass, and, uh, now I'm confusing the film. But anyway, I used seven or eight play, uh, pieces. I on one I used actually interesting. One I used uh, a woodwind quartet, flute, oboe, um, clarinet, bassoon. I just heard that it was a comedy, and I heard it. I just heard woodwinds, and then I also had piano, uh, guitar, and bass. And then oh, cool. another film I had uh, trumpet, violin. Flute, and then piano, guitar, bass, drums. Uh, Another one I had, let's see, piano, no, uh, anyway, various combinations of uh, the uh, instruments, depending. And so sometimes the instrumentation will be decided later, uh, sometimes early on. 
for me, I know some people will want to come up with melodies first, depending upon the style that I'm writing. I sometimes come up with the rhythm and the grooves first. Of course, that's partially from being a drummer and jazz player yeah. and, and things like that. So sometimes that will occur first for me. Uh, I guess oftentimes I... I was going to say oftentimes I will write the opening. Uh, a film recently, the opening and closing were the same song, but it was vocal uh, the, at the close and instrumental at the beginning. We toyed with different ideas and then realized the filmmaker just loved the song. He wrote the lyrics. He was an interesting person to work with. He was a very well-known character actor, Marvin Kaplan. And he oh, did yeah. two films uh, in his later years, and I scored both of them, Watch Out for Slick and um, Looking Up. And he passed away in 2016. We became very good friends. I met him in the Musical Theater Writers Workshop, so we also worked on some musicals together as well. And uh, he was an outstanding actor. Oh, my gosh. So great. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he was a very good friend of mine. So I did his uh, films. So he wrote the uh, lyrics to the closer for looking up. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned briefly there that, you know, obviously your, your jazz background meant sometimes you focus on, on rhythm or, or the vamp to start with. Do you find mm -hmm. when you're approaching your composition, do you have a very different mindset if it's, if it's big band or jazz versus orchestration, sorry, orchestral, or do you, um, do you still approach them in the same kind of way? I would think overall in a similar way. Uh, my very, very first writing was for a uh, big band. As I mentioned, when I took a uh, music theory class at West LA College and Art Danner said, well, you know the instruments of the band, why not arrange uh, for the band? Oh, we had an assignment to write just a small little song um, in the music theory class. And then I wrote it for the jazz band. I think they called it Bonnie's Blues or Bonnie's, Bonnie's Tune or some, <laughs> something. Um so the very first writing idea, that was something interesting to me that many of the people, especially like in the USC program, many had never written for jazz band, or at least some had not, had never written for jazz band. Some had some experience, and I was like, wow. Um, of course, that, that was my basis. <laughs> uh, that was uh, my first writing. Um, I, I love memorable melodies. Of course, in film, you definitely don't want uh, unless it's an opening or closing or an instrumental section, of course you don't want uh, any melody detracting from what's happening or what's being, especially what's being said on the screen. Certainly in a jazz piece, if it's, uh, well, sometimes I've written jazz pieces for films as well, of course, but uh, there may, may be... Um, well, if it's if it's not film, of course, I don't have to worry about not being in the way of dialogue, <laughs> of course. Um, I know that, I mean, I just, I want to be able to hum a melody. I, I just love memorable melodies. And that's uh, kind of a dying art. There are a lot of more scores that are, especially film scores that are more... Um, well, either ambient or, of course, very, mm -hmm. very rhythmic, synth, 
or synth scores, more electronic. Uh, I still love real instruments. <laughs> I know that uh, electronics are, are um, popular, but I, I just, I know and love what can be done with the, the live instruments. So my niche is, is more there, tends to be in, in that direction. Um, it does seem to be something that's having a bit more of a rise recently with a lot of the superhero um, movies have these big orchestral suites with really prominent themes. And there's people like Michael Caccino and Alan Silvestri that are really, really pushing these themes forward again, which is Definitely. nice to see. Uh, yes, it's, it's great to see. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I, I love hearing the themes and something memorable. Wow. Yeah. I, th yeah. I think back to like right now I'm also writing... Uh, right now I'm working on an opening song for a potential stage show. It's not exactly a musical, but a, a different, a live show. And uh, I went back and listened. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, the orchestrations for some of the live shows and some of the, some of the hits or, or different. Wow. I mean, the, it's uh, just wonderful, the wonderful melodies, wonderful orchestrations. Uh, I mean, these, I was listening to some things, of course, with full orchestrations. In the past, uh, usually the standard Broadway orchestra was 24 musicians. I know they've cut down, I was going to say to 18, but actually they've cut down even more than that. But I don't think mm. any new shows are mostly not written, tend not to be written with ensembles of more than about 18, and many are much less. And when you're writing with your um, for your musicals, are you starting with um with music or with lyrical material i usually hear the lyrics first i mean i usually am uh provided the lyrics first it's interesting because in our musical theater workshop i used to be very active in uh new musicals inc i'm not quite as active now with other projects and things uh i know that they would suggest you know why don't you try having the music come first We've done that sometimes i like to hear the music I mean, uh, to have the lyrics first, I think the lyricists, sometimes they might like to hear the uh, music first. And I know when uh, reading biographies of different um, uh, composer-lyricist um, teams, they've worked in different ways. Some had lyrics first, some music first. Um, so usually, ideally in a musical, if the book is written first... It doesn't always happen. I mean, a lot of times I'll get lyrics and the, the show is, at least a draft is complete. Ideally, it's wonderful when the composer can be with the librettist or book writer and spot the songs to decide where the songs go. Ideally, in musical theater, the song should be where they come right out of the dialogue, they lead directly in and they, you know, kind of a natural place for the song. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, sometimes when you're writing, if you're writing a draft with the complete book, sometimes certain uh, dialogue will need to be taken out because then ideally you can cover that in a song. So you don't want to duplicate it, but ideally oh, yeah. there, there are some places that would be much more ideal or that would be the place for to spot the song in, just like you're spotting in a film, ideally to spot the songs where they should go in the, in the stage play. And lately I've been yeah. doing also film musicals, so that's fun to combine both. Yeah, um, that's a yeah, growing trend at the minute as well. <laughs> yes. 
Definitely. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, yeah, you might have your main script and then actually take bits out and have a song replace the actual script. Yes, ideally that yeah. that works. Yeah. Uh, that's done a lot. <laughs> okay, we're coming towards the end of our time. So one last question. What would be your one piece of advice for someone wanting to get into film music composition? What's the one thing they should focus on learning? Wow, one. Uh-oh, a couple of things popped into my mind <laughs> at the same time. Uh yeah. Can I say more than one? <laughs> yes, let's go with two then. <laughs> okay. Um, my suggestion is to really, as much as possible, to be able to write for live players. I mean, you just learn so much. It's just so different. I mean, you can do a lot. Then you can, you know, go back to working on your samples and all. <laughs> and, of course, um, listening to film, different film scores. But then also, I mean, later when you have different experience to go out and be where there are filmmakers, you know, different, uh, different organizations, different um, events to go out and, and network because that is important. And uh, I know that for me a lot, if I've worked with a, a um, director, then I've worked with them again. And so you build um, people that you've worked with and that leads to other people recommending. So practicing your craft, writing as much as possible and, Getting out there and networking would be my two main uh, suggestions. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much once again for being on the show, Bonnie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. Take care. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review and share the link with your friends. One last thing before you go, I also have a closed Facebook group for composers that's dedicated to helping you learn all about composing and producing for Moving Image. It's a growing community and a safe place to ask questions or to get advice on all aspects of music for media, either directly from me or from other musicians in the group. Just visit soundtrack.academy slash Facebook group to join. I'll see you in there.